Hello and welcome to episode 34 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter, at AndrewRLP. And joining me once again is the glorious League Freak, who you can find on Twitter, at League Freak. How are you doing today, mate? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, somebody on Twitter called me out for being uh, satirical, and it's worrying me because I think they're onto me. You're satirical? Yeah, yeah. It's it's me. I used to say, I'm good at satire, but I think Brian Noble is better because if you saw some of his selections for Great Britain, wow. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. If you had to pick between your satire and Brian Noble's, hmm. I'm going to have to put you second, mate. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I agree, 100%. Especially when you look at his all-time team. We looked at his all-time Super League team the other day. It was pretty good. Yeah, that was good for a laugh. Yeah, yeah. And we should go up. through some of them teams. Um, we'll go through... We could maybe make an episode where we go through some of those teams and then name our own teams and try and out-funny them. That, that sounds like a challenge I'm more than, more than happy to accept. <laughs> now, um, here comes a lovely segue. Speaking of challenges, the New South Wales Blues are up against one this weekend when they've got to take on Queensland in the second state of origin game. Mm. And for the last two weeks, we've heard the same sort of people constantly banging on about who's going to be in the New South Wales side and how most of them didn't actually get named. Mm. Um Big changes for the New South Wales side. Seven all up, I think it was. Yeah. And Queensland's had two. Mm-hmm. So we'll go through the Queensland lineup first. So um, from fullback, we've got Caelan Ponga, Corey Oates, Michael Morgan, Will Chambers, Dane Gagai, Cameron Munster, Daly Cherry Evans, Dylan Napper, Ben Hunt, Josh Papali, Felice Cafusi, Matt Gillette, and Joe, uh, Josh Maguire. Now on the bench is Mbai, Jared Wallace. Tim Glasby and David Fafita. So Wallace and Glasby are the additions on the bench there. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. Um, thoughts? It's it's kind of the Queensland thing. It's steady as she goes. They had a couple of injuries that they had to deal with in uh, Jai Arrow, who I can't remember. Was it his? It was his ankle, I think, he, that he hurt. Yeah, and uh, often Gowie who had that terrible cut on his knee from Origin 1, um, which must be absolutely shocking because they've said he's going to be out about three weeks to a month um, and probably is going to miss Origin 3, they reckon. So that's shocking. But outside mm. of that, yeah, it's just steady as she goes. Uh, didn't need to make any changes. Played really well. Uh, and it's what you would expect out of Queensland. Yeah, I would have... I don't mind it. I would have liked to have seen Kurt Capewell come on and replace um, Moses and Bayer because mm-hmm. you can use Capewell in the back, so you can also use him as part of the forward rotation. I think that just adds a bit of extra value to that position in the side. But other yeah. than that, it's to be expected, I guess. Yeah, and it, I mean, it, it's hard to change a winning combination. And Bayer didn't think was that good in Origin 1. I, it, it was kind of what we sort of both said to each other in that, he, was, he kind of seemed out of place a little bit. And that's not that, you know, he played terribly or anything. I just think that they probably could have picked somebody else on the bench that would have had more impact. It's interesting that they've got Corey Norman in their extended squad. Um, Norman's only been back from a facial injury a couple of weeks. His form in the last game wasn't great. I think he, it, for the Dragons, he was a little bit passive 
Um, but they've still brought him into the side. I guess that's just in case they get an injury in the halves. But, uh, but yeah, and they've got Edric Lee as well and Christian Welsh that they've brought in their extended squad. Bit surprised Lee's there, but I can see where you would maybe like him for his height. Um, but yeah, Queensland, I think it was kind of what you expected out of them. So it's hard to really talk too much about them because, um, as I said, steady as she goes, you know, that's not really anywhere near as controversial as what New South Wales has done. So if Queenslanders are listening, it's not that we don't want to talk about your team. It's just that it's kind of, they've, they've picked a good side. They've done well. I think they did pretty well in the first game to pick this team too so um i like what they've done yeah it was um essentially the hard work was done by queensland by winning that first game because that was the game that they were least likely to win so getting the win there gives them the upper hand for the rest of the series mm-hmm. because they've now got two games up their sleeves to wrap up the series whereas new south wales have got to win both yeah yeah and um it's funny because going into the first game we both felt like New South Wales were the favourites and heavy favourites in uh, Queensland just they played so well and having seen them play so well and and seeing that the team really gelled fantastically no need to change it I agree I think the New South Wales side went into that game too confident There's, you need to play with confidence obviously but I think they went in feeling like turning up was half the battle for them. The other half was just doing whatever they usually do, and they just got outsmarted and outplayed. There's no other way to put it. Yeah, they felt like, and I don't know if this will make sense, but it almost felt like there was a celebratory feeling going into the game, like, okay, it's our time now, and and we're going to win, and and so going into it, we're going to have this, it, and it wasn't a bad attitude, but it was almost like a, they weren't ready for a war. Yeah. You know, and Queensland kind of went into it with some strange ideas, but they've worked. And I think that we might see New South Wales go into this game, and it's a bit different because it's a shorter preparation. I don't think they're going to be as open with the media this time around. I would expect that there will be less focus on... Um, things that don't really matter going into the game, I think that they're going to be more focused, I guess, is, is what I'm trying to say. So, yeah. All right. Well, the New South Wales side is uh, James Tedesco. The back line is almost entirely changed. You've got Blake Ferguson, Tom Trebojevic, Jack Whiten, and Josh Adokar. In the halves, Maloney comes in for Walker. Nathan Cleary is still halfback. Daniel Saifidi replaces uh, David Clemmer, who's out with a busted wrist. Uh, Damian Cook, Paul Vaughan, Boy Cordner, Tyson Frizzell, Jake Trebojevic. On the bench is um, Dale Finnegan, Tarek Sims, Cameron Murray, and Wade Graham. Um, the back line has had a lot of changes, and I'm not convinced that they were all warranted. Mm-hmm. Um, bringing in Blake Ferguson, I can see they're looking for more oomph from the, the kick returns. Mm-hmm. But with the way that Tom Trebojevic played, on the, on the weekend, I think you could have just had him on the wing and you would have got exactly the impact you're after there. Yeah, it's interesting because, and there was a lot of talk 
before the season even kicked off that Blake Ferguson hadn't turned up to a New South Wales gathering of some sort. And I don't know. Look, I think that it's bullshit, those gatherings before the season even starts. But that that had sort of put Brad Fittler off. And this look, this is all media talk. Maybe it's bullshit. Um, but there was this feeling that Ferguson was going to be overlooked in this series. And I always find that it's interesting that when push comes to shove, coaches will brush aside any sort of uh, self-imposed rules that they have in place and bringing Ferguson in. And look, from a football perspective, he's a great addition to the squad. Um, he's a big body. He does a lot of work for a winger. Um, he's one of the best wingers in the game. But I think it's interesting that they've kind of gone against some of the things that were coming out of the Blues camp coming into the season about people they wanted and, and their commitment to the Blues cause. Um, Trebojevic, I think I would have brought him straight in on the wing, and he's one of those players that, kind of like the Morris brothers, the Trebojeviches, that there are some players, and it just so happens they're brothers as well, there are some players that are just rep players, and you know you can bring them in and they will do the job every single time. Um, and the Morris brothers have always been like that, and these two are, are similar players. I think uh, dropping Morris is very, very surprising because he was one of New South Wales' best players in that first game, and he hasn't really done anything to be dropped. I don't know if he's picked up an injury or something. Um, because I mean, what do you think about that? He'd been dropped from the centres after See- not... Really? Yeah, look, apparently Freddie said he was after game breakers. And fair enough. You know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say Josh is in the same category when it comes to game breakers as Ferguson, Trebojevic and Whiten. Mm-hmm. So I can understand. So to that point, I think he's he's correct. But the problem I've got with this side is I don't think you're going to get the maximum value out of Tom Trebojevic by playing him at centre. Yeah, I agree. I'd rather, if you have to have those two there, I'd rather Ferguson at centre. See, I've watched Ferguson play, because Ferguson's wanted to play centre, and Paramount has played him at centre, and he's been pretty mixed at centre. I think in origin he might do a good job, but he's definitely a specialist winger in my opinion. Um, And I think that, Tom Trebojevic, I don't know that I look at him and think centre. I think he'll do the job. But when you go into game one with Latrell Mitchell and Morris as your centres and you drop them um, because you want more strike players and you're basically putting a fullback slash winger in and a, or a fullback slash 5'8 these days into the centres, it, it's a little bit of a worry for me. Um, and it's a roll of the dice by Fittler, and I get that, and I think that at some point you do have to roll the dice, but I, it's maybe not one that I would have done. No, because especially when you consider that, um, you know, these centres are going to have to be defending against the likes of Ponga, Munster, um, Gillette, Kafusi. Mm-hmm. You know, to have... To have a bloke who's been playing five-eighth all year in one centre spot and a bloke who's a fullback at the other, mm. I just think that's a a huge risk that didn't need to be taken. I think they probably could have left Ferguson out, put Tom on the wing, 
and left Josh Morriston at one centre spot. I think Whiten is capable of playing in the other centre spot. Mm-hmm. Like, if he's up against Chambers, mm-hmm. I think he'll be able to handle that perfectly fine. But the way they're lining up, it looks like Tom will be up against Chambers mm-hmm. and Whiten will be up against Morgan. Um, yeah. and so I, I, th- I worry about that defensively more than anything. Yeah, and I think and while we're talking about the centres, look, I don't know what's going on with Latrell Mitchell, but I, I feel as though, and he had the worst game of his career in Origin 1, I feel as though something obviously was off in that first camp that because as a as a talent I would pick him but obviously there's been something that was going on in the camp and I it might have just been that he's just a young bloke that is being a bit overwhelmed with not only talk about his club contract and things like that I don't necessarily think it's anything terrible that's going on I think maybe they just sense that he he just needed a break or something you know I because... wonder if that that bullshit over the uh and that's what it was over mm. that sex tape that allegedly involved him when you know I wonder if that impacted on him yeah and it, like, like to a degree that it impacted him mentally and that's why he needed to have that week away to sort of get away from the media and stuff and just have some time with his family and, and then come back and play footy. Because he wasn't bad on the weekend either for the Roosters, mm-hmm. but he wasn't as involved as he usually is. That could be down to the fact that he didn't have Tedesco as he's, you know, combining with him on the side there. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I I agree. I don't think he, he deserved to be dropped. I can see why he was because of his poor game. But I think if you drop every single player because of one poor game, you're going to have so much, so many changes going on every every single game that you never you, you're going to have your backs up against the wall every time. The chances of winning are going to be pretty slim, I'd say. Yeah, and look, if if they'd have gone into game two with uh, Mitchell and Morris again, I wouldn't have blinked an eye. I would have been like, "Yep, no worries." Um, yeah. So and so, I guess that's why it stands out these changes that they've made to their outside backs. Um, it's kind of crazy that you look at their outside backs and it's Carr and, and Tedesco are the only ones that have not changed. Um, and the other thing is, too, Whiten in that first game, he come in off the bench, and we've talked about there didn't seem to really be a plan for him. He come in and covered for Mitchell when um, he'd been sent to the bin. And, look, I think chucking him into that situation wasn't great because obviously it's a 12-man lineup and he's kind of doing a job that he probably wasn't 100% expecting to be doing. But I didn't think he did that great in that situation. And I think he'll do way better in this game, having that focus and being like, look, you're the centre from from day one. Um, But it's interesting because Latrell Mitchell is definitely the future for New South Wales in the centres at the very least, in the centres. I mean, he might end up being a 5'8 one day. You never know. Um, and to drop him now kind of goes against a lot of the stuff that Fitler was talking about in terms of picking and sticking, and especially for younger players like Mitchell. And then and we're going to talk about this in a second. With Cleary, he's definitely stuck with Cleary. 
and it, it kind of goes against what he was doing there. But and so that's why I think maybe that first camp they, I wouldn't have been shocked if they, looking back on it, if they'd have said, look, Mitchell's picked up a hammy injury going into that, into that game or earlier on in the camp, and because there was obviously something going on there, and hopefully they, Mitchell sorts it out and he's got good people around him because um, a young bloke really needs he needs a bit of guidance, I think. And I don't think anything terrible's happened. I just hope that he's got good people around him because all of these players need him. Every people need you need good people around you. So hopefully that's that's happening for him. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Moving into the halves, Maloney's come in for Cody Walker. I mean, Cody Walker had a had a horror game uh, mm. in game one, and it ruined. What had been an absolutely stunning season for him at South, where he was, he was without doubt the best player in the comp form wise, mm. um, and he had a hangover too because the, his first game back for South, he just he'd lost all of that energy and spark. He just looked defeated. Yeah, uh, and it's on, sad in, to in see the, in the game on the weekend because I was. I, and I, man, anybody that's listened to the podcast has known I've been like Cody Walker first pick, first pick, first pick, and he had that shocking game, and it was about as bad of a state of origin debut as a player has ever had, unfortunately. Um, and on the weekend, he was going to be South's number one playmaker basically because Reynolds is out, and I wanted to see, I wanted to see something for him, and he basically went out. And he had another, just, it was like an, an anonymous performance by him. And he just looked so far off his game. And it's good because he's got Wayne Bennett and he's going to need Wayne Bennett to sort of say to him, look, you just got to brush it off. Don't worry about it. Don't listen to the noise. Just go out and play some footy. And that'll be really good for him. Um, the week off will be good for him. And, and then he's going to get Reynolds back in a couple of weeks' time and he'll be fine. But... Yeah, he just had a game. It, it was the worst possible game. If he had have had a good game, I would have said, pick him again. Stick. I think it, no, I was going to say, I think if it had been a case of, if New South Wales had won that first game, despite Walker's form, I think they might have hung on to him. Yeah. I think the reason why they dropped him is because the, the series is now on the line. And selecting Moni, Maloney was a no-brainer in the end because they needed someone who was... A reliable, someone they can depend on, someone who's been there before, someone with experience, and someone who Cleary can work with. That's the problem that Cleary has. It's not with Cleary himself. It's the fact that he's only been in the game for such a short time. The number of halves that he's played alongside is such a tiny number that he hasn't had an opportunity yet to to learn how other players work that well yet. He's still learning his game. He's learning how to play halfback in rugby league. Yeah. He's literally learning the posi- the position still, and that's something that. And I understand the argument from people in that they say, "Well, why are we going with Cleary now?" And this is something actually somebody said to me on on Twitter, and I can't remember who it was, and I haven't got my phone next to me, so I can't check. And I and maybe it's something we can talk about once we've got through the New South Wales side. Why are they going with Cleary? Um, Cleary has a lot of upside as a player, especially as a young halfback, and I can understand why they're putting him in and persisting with him for to a point. There's only a point you can do that to up to 
before you have to start looking at the alternatives. I don't think we're there with Cleary just yet. The thing I would say about Maloney and Cleary as a halves pairing is, and people are going to say I'm biased because I'm a Panthers supporter, but I, I don't think I am. Number one, they work really, really well as a halves combination. They, they, there's parts of their games that work well together, and you don't see that too often. Uh, and number two, with the very short preparation, we've only got seven days until the game kicks off. Keeping in mind, you've got to fly to Perth, and so it's a very short preparation for these State of Origin teams. Having that club combination and having that combination that's been at State of Origin level before is absolute gold. And where Queensland have that in terms of um, Daly Cherry Evans is a very experienced player. And Munster is, I mean, Munster's the best 5'8 in the world. New South Wales don't have that to call upon. And so I think having this club combination come together is a real bonus for them. And I think that it's kind of something that I, I kind of hope that they took into game one, honestly. But for this game and this short preparation, I don't see how anybody could have really broken these halves pairing up going into the second game, even though there was a lot of talk that they were going to. Yeah, I think it was going to be a case of if... I wouldn't have been surprised if I'd have seen, if Adam Reynolds had been fit. I wouldn't have been surprised if they had hung on to Walker and replaced Cleary with Reynolds because I think they were, yep. what they would have wanted was a club halves partnership there. Mm-hmm. They would have gone with whichever partnership was fit. And I mm-hmm. think that's pretty much what it's come down to. Um, the fact that Maloney is... Yeah, he's a big game player. Always has been. I mean, look at him in grand finals. He's been in and won and Origin Series and tests and stuff like that. You know, he's... What this was, this was the safest and smartest option available to him at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing, too, is if they wanted to, if the option was available, they could replace Cleary with any other halfback they want and Maloney would link with them to perfectly fine as well because he's just been around that much that linking with other players is not a problem for Maloney to do. So yeah. that that's an easy option as far as I'm concerned. Plus, I mean, obviously, he knows Cleary's game pretty well. And he can see when Cleary's starting to need guidance or assistance and he can take over, which is something that Walker couldn't do. Definitely, definitely. And and that's something that I had concerns about with uh, other options that have been talked about. And we'll we'll probably talk about those after we've done the rest of the New South Wales team as well. Um, I just think, as you say, this this was a safe option. The thing about Maloney is Maloney is super experienced and he's a winner. He's been a winner everywhere. Uh, and I don't think you can put a price on that. And I was, you know, I understand why they picked Walker in the first game because that's who I would have picked as well. Um, had that having not worked, I thought that picking Maloney once again was just, uh, it's just the easy choice, really. Yeah. Now, in the forwards, they've only had one change in the forward pack, and that's Daniel Sofidi's come in for David Clemmer. Um, that, I think, is... And this is going to be a little bit odd, given that the, the players that have been dropped from the back line, but I think this is the most important position that New South Wales needed to cover, and I'm not convinced they've got the right person for it because mm. Clemmer does huge, huge amount of work in both, you know making meters and making tackles. And 
he does that week in, week out, no matter how the rest of his side's playing. He just gives you those big performances every time. And I'm not convinced that Saifidi can live up to that and, and produce that level at, at origin level. Yeah, I mean, we're going to find out. It's not a big uh, sample size to be going on. Um, you know, he seems to have come out of, of nowhere in the last probably month where people have been pushing him, and it shocked me a little bit. Um, I I personally would have gone with Campbell Gillard just on two things. Number one, I think he's been playing better over the last few weeks. He didn't have a great game on the weekend, but I think between him having experience and having been there and done that and his form getting better, I, I just think it would have been, once again, a safer bet to bring him into the side. You, he's a bit of a known quantity uh, and so that's the direction I would have gone in. Um, and Fittler's gone a different way. It, it it seems to be, I mean, he's the bolter in the side, in my opinion. Likewise. And, and you know, it. we're going to find out. We'll see if he's up to it. Yeah, because um, I, I would have thought someone like um, an Alex Twole wouldn't have been too bad there because he does make plenty of metres for the Tigers. Mm-hmm. He's more of that harder ball running style, but uh, yeah, we'll see. I hope hope he kills it. Same here, same here. Um, the next is on the bench. It's three three new bench players for New South Wales, and that's Dale mm-hmm. Finnegan. Um, my view, long overdue a run there. Yep, definitely. Um, Tarek Sims and Wade Graham. That's a surprise one, given he'd been out for nine months. Mm. He's come back and played two. Two pretty much half games, but the impact he had on that shark side when he came on the field in both his two games changed the matches. So when he came on against Parramatta in his first game back, it just laid on tries, you know, a handful of tries, and was just a constant menace out there. And mm. then he came on last week when they were down by twenty, mm-hmm. and Cronulla ended up losing the game by two points. Just the impact he has. And he looks so fast and so fit compared to how I've seen him for the last three or four years. Um, I don't think that he's going to be a risk at all. The only thing I'd be worried about is um, how many minutes he can play. But yeah, that that's a small concern. The good thing for him is he's played a lot of football with James Maloney. Mm-hmm. Um, so when he does get on the field, I think they're going to have a very very good link there on the on the left side. Yeah, and it's interesting that, I mean, he's only had a couple of games back from, I think it was an ACL tear. Yeah. And it's crazy that he's, it looks, if somebody had said, oh, he had a wrist injury, it would make more sense. Yeah. In, the ter- in terms of, like, he just, he looks really fit. He, as you say, he looks like he's not carrying as much weight as he has in recent years, and he looks better for it. He looks mobile, which is crazy coming off an ACL tear. Um He's. I've got no problems with him being in the side, and I think he's a really good addition. The other thing, too, is Wade Graham is one of those players that has a sense of when you've got to put a hit on someone. Like, yeah, he's very good at reading defensively what he needs to do. And sometimes there's just times when you've got to go out and you've just got to put someone on their ass and it can change the game, and he can do that. Um, I really like this bench. This, to me, looks like a state-of-origin bench. Uh, I like Sims. I think Sims has had a really good season, and 
like this is I think it's you know as long as and he hasn't done too many of the what I call Sims things where they'll drop <laughs> a bad pass or give away silly penalty. He seems to have cut that almost out of his game. Or start um, a thirty-five man brawl. Yeah, yeah, just weird <laughs> stuff, you know, where you go like, what, what is he doing? You know, um, he's had a really good season, and this to me looks like a state of origin bench. And you know, that's the thing with Whiten in the last game, Whiten sort of unbalanced the bench for me. And this one looks good. This is what I would expect out of New South Wales. And so I really like this bench. What about you? Do, are you the same or do you think differently? My, my only concern is um, there isn't a real huge body on the bench to get involved in the prop rotation. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a mobile bench, basically full of back rowers. Mm. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Finnegan spends most of his time um, at prop, especially after the first 25 minutes. I think he'll probably come on and be just a... He'll just be doing a ton of defensive work in the middle because he can. He's just a machine like that. Yeah. Um, and Sims will be kind of brought in for the opposite reason. He'll be brought in to just run crazy lines like an absolute madman. Yeah. Um, so, and Wade Graham is essentially their bench utility. Uh, but he's... I wouldn't want him playing anywhere other than on the left side. Yeah. So yeah, I wouldn't be I, surprised if, if Wade sort of comes in and fills in for one of the centres, actually. See, I, I think looking at this bench, and there's, like, there's some strike in this bench. Oh, um, shit, yeah. There's a, there's a, yeah, and it's... I wonder if in game one, Brad Fittler felt as though he didn't get enough in terms of attack out of his pack. He, like, I think he would have probably been happy with some of the go forward that they had and stuff like that. But I wonder if he feels as though he needs to put on a, a little bit more game breaking from, from the pack, you know, um, that's my guess. And maybe that's why he's gone with these players in terms of like, because this bench is, it could be really fucking dangerous for New South Wales, or for Queensland, sorry. And I think that they're going to have to worry more about these plays than they did the New South Wales plays in the first game up front. That's one of the things, definitely, that jumps out at me. So, yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's it's going to be interesting. I think the, the first 20 minutes of this game, mm-hmm. especially if Queensland scores... Mm-hmm may decide the match. But if the mm-hmm. scores are if the scores are still level at yeah, around that twenty five, thirty minute mark, mm. um I'd say New South Wales have probably got a better chance of coming home towards the end of the match. Because yeah, they've just got yeah. that mobility on the bench. It's gonna make them a bit quicker at the back end of the game. Yeah, it you'd think so. Um and look that's the other thing. Maybe Fitler was just like we lacked mobility, you know. It's it's weird when you look at all of these changes, though, and you think that, and look, people are saying, oh, that it was a an intercept try that basically cost New South Wales the game. The game was pretty much over when yeah. New South Wales put on that last try. So it wasn't just a, a close game that they only just lost. I think it no. was a bigger loss than the, the score one suggested. That's right. The Blues were never in that game. Yeah, and and I think that they definitely needed to make some a few changes but there is it's a lot of changes considering they weren't terrible 
Yeah, no, I agree. They they weren't. As I said too, I don't think the backs could have been blamed for the uh, for the performance yet. They're the ones that copped all the changes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we'll see what what goes on. Okay, um, so how about we talk about now Mitchell Pierce, the uh, the media darling. Yeah, so he's an interesting one. So after game one, even before game one, um, certain sections of the mainstream media were pushing hard for him to be into the you know added back to the New South Wales side. Um, you could almost hear the glee in some of their voices when New South Wales lost that first game. Walker have got you know substituted. Cleary didn't get man of the match. Um, because it almost meant that they could sit there and push for Pierce again, and it was straight away. Pierce is going to get recalled. And then, sure enough, there was talks that he has been recalled. He's going to be in the side. And then on Sunday, literally an hour or so before um, before the teams had been announced, Mitchell Pierce is ruled out because of a hip injury. And we heard one excuse from, I think it was Matty Johns after the, the last game on Sunday, saying that he felt that he could, Mitch Pierce felt he could probably play but he didn't think he'd be able to play to his maximum ability, and therefore he ruled himself out. And while noble, mm-hmm. the sentiment may be, I also think given the way that Mitchell Pierce had been speaking about all of the origin speculation that had been put to him prior to that, mm-hmm. that there was a part of him that said he just didn't want to play in the match at all. And if that's the case, um, I say full credit to you. Mm. Um yeah, if you if you don't think you're gonna you're going to go into a game and play brilliantly, or if you're not confident that you're going to be able to produce the performance that's required, then you know, good on you for having the balls to say you need to pick someone else. Yeah, and I, look, I I tweeted when the news came out that he wasn't going to play, and it was, I mean, it was almost a choice. I, I not almost a choice. It was a choice at the end of the day. Um, I tweeted that I think he, all of the noise and stuff, and I'd, he just doesn't need this shit. He's done this for so long, and it's been such a big part of his career, and it's weighed on him for so long. And then he finally gets up to Newcastle where it, it felt like he'd finally got rid of that baggage and was yep. just able to go out there and play club footy and not have to worry about it. And then it was all lumped on him again. And look, on the weekend, he played really poorly. I mean, he was pretty much anonymous for, for Newcastle and really shoveled it off to to Ponga for most of the match to do the playmaking duties. And it was basically the worst, once again, like almost like Walker, the worst sort of performance you would have wanted out of a player that you were hoping to pick. And he has been carrying a bit of an injury, but I feel as though if Newcastle was playing on Thursday night, he would be backing up for Newcastle. And I can understand that you need more at origin level, but I I do. I feel as though it was almost a case of him probably thinking, man, I, I just don't need this. Just leave him to play club footy. I did that for so long. I don't need it in my life anymore. You look at all of the shit that's been surrounding him because of it. If Mitchell Pearce come out and officially retired from playing State of Origin tomorrow, having not played, you know, last season or this season, 
I would understand that decision. I would understand him having to come out publicly and say that because I just don't think he needs this anymore. And good luck to him. And it must be such a relief for him to not have to to be dealing with this shit all week. Yeah. Um, he still, I believe he still harbours um, a desire to play for Australia. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, I think, I, I wouldn't be surprised if a part of him thinks that playing in a losing New South Wales start over origin series side, which is potentially something that could happen um, mm-hmm. if he played in this game too, mm-hmm. may well hamper his opportunities. Mm-hmm. Because, Gone are the days when you need to play Origin to get a test jumper. Just doesn't mm. happen anymore. No. Um, so he's probably thinking long game. You know, I can probably get a spot in the Australian side at the end of the year. Yeah, um, that's that's his long term goal, and I think he'd be perfectly fine at test level. Yeah, so do I. In fact, I think you could probably pick him in a test side, and depending on who's available and who's not, and if. He come down to it. I I could see where you could pick someone like Pierce on the bench and have him as almost your backup hooker if that's the way you wanted to go, and he'd cover your halves as well if you if needed. But um, yeah, I just I, I felt like it was just a move by him where it was like, man, I've had my time. Can you just leave me alone? Yeah. And I I understand that completely. And we yeah. talked about it a little bit in the last episode that we did about state of origin where it's like it kind of sucks to be in a position where you've got a a player who's a good player and he's playing well for his club but he's played so poorly for new south wales for so long and and never got them to where they needed to be and man you you just can't pick him again and you don't like to be in that position where you're going crazy because they're going to pick someone who shouldn't be selected again and i mean he's got to live that I can't even imagine what that's like. Yeah. Um, so as I, was, I said, I, I, I was going to say that's kind of why I thought it was it was a psychological thing, and I think um, it's just something that's that's burning him out a bit mentally. He's just gone. I, I just I'm done with it. He just needs to move on and do something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, that, and yeah. he's been. I mean, you can see this year. You know, he's been enjoying his club footy this year, and yeah, it's shown in the way he's played. Yeah, and I I just hope that he's left alone now. And um, I think the best thing he could probably do now when someone asks him about state of origin in the media is just say, look, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm sick of it. Yep. Um, and he's a nice guy, so he doesn't he doesn't do that. He says things like, oh, well, you know, it'd be nice and stuff like that. And I think that, that just adds fuel to the fire. I think now if he just said, look, I don't want to talk about it anymore, please stop asking me about it. Um, I'd everyone would be fine with that. The media wouldn't. The media would say he was being a, a prick. But I think that real people, <laughs> they would have no problems with it at all. Uh, fully agree. People with souls. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the people who don't have agendas to push. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, now the thing, okay, now the next thing, and it was put to me, by somebody on Twitter, and I'm so sorry that I haven't got your name here with me, uh, but they put a, a really good idea towards me. Why does Nathan Cleary get the passes that someone like a Piers doesn't get? And why does New South Wales have this feeling that they want Cleary to be the golden boy going forward? What? If, what? Why do you feel that is? Well, I think... 
it's largely the same reason that they wanted Mitchell Pearce as well. You know, the the key to a lot of Queensland's success, and sadly, a lot of what New South Wales has been doing in recent years has been a response to what worked for Queensland, and that was stability in the spine. And you've got Tedesco, who's he's a lock for fullback for as long as he wants it. You've got Cook, who's going to be a lock there at hooker. Mm-hmm. You just need the six and your seven. Yeah. And you've found yourself a halfback who's both young and has potential to, to get a lot better than what he currently is. And very but good defensively. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a very strong base to work from. And to be honest, it's it's very much the same things that worked for Mitchell Pearce when he was first picked at a young age. Yeah, you know, good defender. Um, you know, come from a club that was had a good good run of winning. It, it made sense to try that young player there. Um, the benefit for Cleary is that he had a win in his first series, yeah. whereas Pearce had loss after loss after loss. Eventually, that'll start to wear you down and break you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it comes down to that. And I think it, it's a smart concept to work on a, a set squad. Mm-hmm. Cleary's biggest issue is more the fact that he just hasn't played with enough different players before because mm-hmm. he just he just, ha- just hasn't been around long enough. Yeah. And so that means it's it's harder for him to learn how to adapt to new players in a shorter period, period of time as it is for, say, a Maloney. Yeah. And we saw the same issues with Mitchell Pearce at the start of his career. Um, I think for me, I probably would have waited on Cleary probably until he was 23, 24 before putting him in and, and sticking with him just yeah. so he could get that little bit more experience under his belt. And that's that, something that, Phil Gould be... was very big on too. He was like, he, you should wait, you should wait, but if you do pick him, you got to stick with him. Yeah. I I think, see it. There's, I would have probably gone with an Adam Reynolds type player or something like that. Someone steady who had a very good kicking game in Origin. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably would have gone with him until Cleary was at yeah that 23, 24 years of age and he'd played a bit of footy. That to me would have been probably better than what they did. But yeah, in the end, you've you've made your decision. He's young, which means you can't just go and pick a twenty one year old and just go, oh, you ain't no good, and just throw him away. You've got to stick with him. And that's pretty much the they they kind of backed themselves into a corner a bit there. I think they just they pulled the trigger on him a bit early. That's that's my only criticism. Yeah, and and the weird thing was it it worked, and yeah. that also backs you further into the corner um, because if you dropped him, say you dropped him after game one, and look, I didn't think he did anything particularly bad in game one, especially when you consider that all of a sudden he was the only playmaker out there. Like, you know, he was just on his own. Uh, and he's a 21-year-old still learning the position on his own in an origin match, number one playmaker, and no one else, like no one even remotely close was there. Um, I think he did all right in state of origin one, but all right doesn't win your games. I think the thing that worries me a little bit, when you commit to somebody in the position that Cleary is in, and this, I guess a similar thing happened to Pierce. You want to be able to have a halfback at their age, at this age, and when when Cleary, uh, Pierce was a young bloke, you want them, you want to be able to say to them, go out, do what you think you got to do. You're going to make mistakes. It's not the end of the world. We don't care. We want you to make their mistakes. 
because through their mistakes, you're going to learn what works and what doesn't work. And when you get a player like Nathan Cleary, who at this young age is the New South Wales series winning halfback, everything is is like, you know, a thousand times more important. And so when he's playing for Penrith, if he if he tries something and it doesn't work, it's like, oh, Cleary, this is why they shouldn't pick him for New South Wales, blah, 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 blah. He's not the, the chosen one anymore, blah, 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 blah. Instead of it just being, oh, yeah, he's a 21-year-old halfback, he's going to make mistakes and that's okay. It'll make him a better player in the long run. And I think that's the risk that you run. And I don't think it's something that Queensland has so much themselves because I think when they have younger players, they're kind of allowed to be younger players, whereas there's a point with New South Wales where, and this is something that Pierce had to deal with, Everyone wanted him to be perfect from day one. They wanted him to be 30-year-old Brad Fittler. They wanted him to be 32-year-old Andrew Johns. They wanted him to be great defensively, have the perfect kicking game, not make mistakes anymore, be an incredible game manager. And it just, that doesn't happen for a young halfback ever. Um, And I think that that is something that New South Wales has it lobbed onto Pierce and now they've lobbed it onto Cleary. And as a even as a Panther supporter, I worry that Cleary is focusing too much on being the steady halfback and not making mistakes and being too worried about trying things. And I think when you see Cleary at his best is when he's running the ball a lot because he's a pretty good ball runner for a halfback. And, but that shows that he's also willing to try things. And I think when he comes goes back into his shell and he just tries to play the steady halfback, I think it might be a symptom of all of this stuff. And we saw it a few weeks ago, Cleary come out and he said all of the negative uh, attention was getting to him. And it really worried me because he's you think of him as such a steady player, but he's, he's a 21-year-old bloke. And he's grown up in a world of social media. There's no way he's not all over social media, even if he's not tweeting. You know, he'll still have a burner account. He'll still have all of this other stuff that he reads. And I worried because it it definitely is getting to him, and I worry that it's going to affect his progression as a halfback going forward. Yeah, look, I think, and that's that's a big reason why I think Maloney is so important to him. Mm. Because he's so nonchalant about everything. Yeah. He just goes, mate, don't worry about it with that weird voice he has. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't worry about it, mate. She'll be all right. You just play yeah. footy and have a bit of fun, eh? Exactly. That That's the only impression you'll ever hear on this show, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't, I don't know. know. Sometimes we do Queenslanders as well. <laughs> 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 Dude, I'm sorry. That was, that was pretty strange. Pretty solid, that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, look, I I think um, yeah, I think they're in a situation they have to they have to stick with Cleary now. What they do when Maloney retires or leaves, that's that's a big question. Yeah. And so I think they need to be looking at a young five eighth who can work with him. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Latrell Mitchell in the future because they've played a bit together already at this level. But at the same time. 
he's going to need a a five eighth who can take over essentially his halfback if if Cleary's not having a good game. Um, and Cleary has to become the sort of player that can take over controlling the whole team if his five eighth goes missing, much like Walker did. And these are skills that I'd rather they didn't learn at Origin level first. But yeah. it's kind of happening that way. And the thing is, too, if you th- if you think about a twenty one year old halfback, forget about Cleary, but if you if you say, look, you've got a twenty one year old halfback in the NRL, what is one quality you want him to have, and you want him to throw caution to the wind sometimes? You want him to put the little kick in behind the line and go himself. You want him to, and he's going to screw up. He's just going to screw up. But you want him to do that. And that's where someone like a... And I think of someone like Alan Langer. You want him to screw up, you know, early on. Because those screw-ups are going to be... They're going to be gold towards the end of his career or even in his prime because he knows when he can do that now. He knows when not to do that. He's made those mistakes. And I I worry that for New South Wales with the, our halfbacks we are almost, we're teaching them not to try it. We're not, we're teaching them not to go for it because if you go for it and it doesn't work out, we will smash you. We'll smash you in the media. And it's more the media, I guess. I I think a lot of fans, I think most fans don't mind seeing it, but there is a, a, minority of vocal supporters who just takes the media line and will say, oh, well, he's shit, he's shit, he's shit, he's shit. And, I, yeah, I worry about that with someone like Cleary. But there's so many upsides to having a young halfback who can tackle, who is one of the best goal kickers in the game. Um, his dad's a coach, which means he's got a good football brain. There's so many things that you would hope that would turn out well for him. Um and so, yeah, that's that's kind of why I think they pick Cleary. And I'm glad that we got a chance to talk about that. Yeah. Also, I mean, on the other side too, the other, the other option obviously is probably Mitchell Pearce. Sorry, Mitchell Moses. And uh, you've yeah. got to make that decision. You've got to make that call. Do we want Moses in wearing a blue jumper? Well, Moses is too busy leading Parramatta Eels to just a sensational record. I mean, they're back to 50% now, I believe, aren't they? Yeah, only if they play at Bankwest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If they're playing anywhere else, they're fucked, but still. So they, they'll actually be hoping, if they're smart, that a whole for Sydney clubs choose to use Bankwest as their home ground because then they can play there more often. <laughs> if they're smart, yeah. that's what they should do. They should say to every single single club, "How's about you play home games at Bankwest Stadium?" Yeah, they're like the <laughs> they're like the complete opposite of the Tigers. Like <laughs> the Tigers just play like garbage at their jungle, but uh, the Eels play. Oh, seriously, I believe that stadium's worth at least sixteen points to the Eels, and that's outrageous. That's an outrageously high number, but I really do. I believe it is that much. Yeah. Can we there's one other thing I want to talk about with state of origin. How many players the media said, Oh yeah, player XYZ has been told he's playing this week. Player XYZ's been he's on the plane. He's already there. He's already with Brad Fittler right now. I saw him. He's getting on a plane right now. He's going to Sydney. 
unbelievable how many players are playing in this State of Origin game. If you listen to the media, there's like a thousand of them. And it become ridiculous where it was like exclusive. So-and-so is playing for New South Wales. And the rumours started the day after Origin 1. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. like, I mean, when you... How many people said that Mitchell Pearce was 100% in this team, that he was on board, he'd been told even like a week ago, he's going to be in the team, he's, he's playing, he's, he's, he's just, he's already, you know, working stuff out with Brad Fittler. And then like, you know, an hour before the team's name, it's like, oh yeah, Pearce has said he's not playing. <laughs> so all of that stuff was complete and utter bullshit. And this comes from the same media that also will occasionally write articles about how State of Origin is ruining the NRL. Yeah, it was crazy. They all, they just lost their collective minds. Yep. And I could not believe it. The funny thing was that, you know, no one, none of them said Sims was coming into the team. None of them. None of them were focused on that. They're only focused on Mitchell Pearce coming back. Yeah. And like that, they were, oh, how have have New South Wales left this player out? How have New South Wales left that player out? And then they get selected. It's like, well, what the fuck were you talking about? <laughs> it's, it, it was unbelievable. And I think that it just showed when it gets to certain things in rugby league, you have to ignore the media to enjoy the game. Yeah, sometimes I just go mental. Mm, mm. And this was, I mean, this they literally went crazy leading into this match. Um, I guess the last thing to talk about is who do you think is going to win game two? Oh, geez. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Queensland wins. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, yeah, as I said, if it if it's if the scores are pretty much close or tired after about half an hour, I wouldn't be surprised if New South New South Wales gets up by four. I I think the way I'm looking at it, Queensland, if they just go over there to have a quiet time, you know, don't do much media and they go out and they play against a New South Wales team that is just surrounded by madness, uh, I think they'll win comfortably. I think well, that's that, a, well, that's the thing, though, is that Queensland won't have to worry about any media this time around because the media's still talking about the seven changes to the blue side, which will happen all up till kickoff. Yeah, and that's the thing. And I worry that... And look, it makes you wonder about the... Um, how mentally strong the New South Wales players would be if that does, if that's allowed to affect them. But I think that in some ways, I don't think that New South Wales team management has helped that process at all. You know, so um, I, I think that as we saw in the first game, there was, as we talked about, that almost a celebration of themselves going into the first game. I think if they do anything similar and it won't be a celebration of themselves. It might be some other thing that they pick up and run with. Um, it would be really bad for New South Wales. In an ideal world, New South Wales would disappear until game time. Um, I don't think they'll be allowed to do that because of obviously both teams would have to um, promote this game in Perth to a certain extent. I think the best thing that could happen to New South Wales going into this game would be if the NRL comes out today or tomorrow and says we're expanding to Perth. Yeah. You know, and it takes the the attention away from both teams. Well, maybe what the NRL could come out and do 
is talk about the fact that we will be doing a live show an hour before Origin 2 kicks off, and this oh, time shit. it will come live with audio. Yeah, we're bringing audio this time. How about that? To, to, what a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. <laughs> so the, uh, the last live one we did um, went gangbusters. I, mm. I think three or four people were watching. <laughs> I tell you what, though, if you said, to, if you said right, you're going to do a show and it's going to be an audio show that is completely silent, and at one point eight people are going to be listening. I think we would have taken that. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's some support right there. Absolutely. That's diehard support right there. Mm. So, uh, yeah, if you've got nothing on on Sunday afternoon and you want to do something to, to kill the time before uh, the, the game kicks off in the hour beforehand, hop onto Twitter, um, follow Fergo Freak Pod, and you'll get a notification as soon as we're live on there and you can listen to us rambling on about... Who knows what else? We're still figuring that out yet. So yeah. you've got any suggestions you want us to talk about? Let us know. Yeah, uh, you want a shout out? Let us know. Podcast. If you email podcast at leaguefreak.com, you can send us suggestions of stuff to talk about leading into the game. That's the best way to do it because it won't get like We get so many notifications and stuff during the week that sometimes things get lost. Um, so podcast at leaguefreak.com. Email that and... If you've got any suggestion as to what we should talk about, we're open to anything. Um, we'll be jumping on at around about 7 o'clock. Like, we'll definitely be on at 7 o'clock on the Sunday. 7 o'clock um, Eastern is it Eastern Standard yep. Time now, yeah. So 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, right up until kickoff. Then we jump off at kickoff because we know you don't want to listen to us while the game's on. And we want to watch the game ourselves. Um, but it lets you miss out on all the super important stuff like the who's talking about what and then who's playing before the match and then who's singing their national anthem and who's not and then I guess, you know, what what do they do after that? They jibber well, some more. Well, I'm in Victoria, so usually they go to the AFL footy show, but they scrap that, so I don't know what goes on. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. So, yeah, so you can miss out on all of that and listen to, to us two chatting about whatever we come up with. Um, we'll talk about the game, but we'll also try and have a bit of fun. I'll drink a few beers. Might have a few more beers this time. We'll see. Might even wake up your dog too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's snoring and his legs are going and he's dreaming That's about really shit. Cool. And Yeah. Try and wake him up. So, All righty. Well, uh, at, at that note, yeah, tune in to us on, on Sunday on the, on the Twitter there um, and prepare to be entertained. Mm. <laughs> We will entertain the fuck out of you. How about that? I guarantee it. That's a good note to end on. With audio. With audio. All righty. <laughs> uh, we will catch you all then. <laughs>